What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courts That Sound Up Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shivanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future Jiu-Jitsu world champion, Angel Ortega. Uh, it is a packed, packed week, ladies and gentlemen. UC 289 to go over, UC Vegas 75 going down this weekend. Bellator 297, their best card in a long time, as well as a bunch of MMA and boxing news to go over. As always, we are brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Rogue Energy, keep me fueled up, keep me going throughout my day, whether I'm at the gym, at home, working, or even just chillaxing, playing some video games, man. They keep me fueled up, they keep me motivated, and they can do the same for you with code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off. Again, that is code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off. However, another sponsor of the show, Elixir.com. The exact opposite. They're going to get you really high with their Delta 8, 9, 10 HHC products, and you can get them for code sound for 10% off. They keep, you know how, you know how I celebrated my, my birthday? You know what? I did not go out drinking like a, like a lot of people would, you know? I got, I got, I stayed home, got high with some Cody Elixir. It's pretty fun, man, you know? And you guys should too. So, light up with Cody Elixir. Cody. Well, yeah, I forgot it was your birthday this past week. I mean, I obviously congratulated you, so it's not Yeah, so you didn't, you didn't forget that much, but. <laughs> You know, and uh, that's how I celebrate it. And you guys should also light up at home with code with code sound off for Elixir. So there you go. Um, nonetheless, man, uh, UFC 289 going down last Saturday night from the Rogers Arena in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. In the main event, Amanda Nunes, the Lioness, you know, essentially doing what we kind of expected, uh, dominating Irene Aldana. Unanimous decision win, 50-44, 50-44, You know, Aldana actually had a relatively nice first round. She caught Nunez near the end. Um, but then she just couldn't get out of first gear, man. I, she, she couldn't get anything going in the end of any Nunez wins by a decision. But also, she retires post-fight. What do you uh, what do you think about this news, man? What do you think about Nunez deciding to go ahead and hang it up? Obviously, they're going to have to be a new champion crowned at women's bantamweight. And uh, the four women that are at women's featherweight are likely uh, very afraid of their jobs right now. Yeah, well, I don't, that they're going to start making 135, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think Norman Dumont can make 135. I think she could, Josh. <laughs> but <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd be surprised, Josh. I think we could. <laughs> <be surprised. laughs> But uh, regardless, let's we got to break this one down a little bit. Uh, I think we should start off with Irina's performance in of itself, man, because she had a lot of pressure coming into this fight. You know, we talked about it on the last show. It was actually something that I kind of brought up and touched up on mainly because I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, Spanish media, Spanish sports media, and kind of a lot of, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of Brandon, a lot of Yair, a lot of Alexa, and obviously with the the, the Irene and, um, uh, and Amanda fight upon us, uh, there was a lot of tension around her as well. Kind of like, is she going to be the fourth, uh, you know, warrior, you know, to join him? Uh, that was the whole big thing. And kind of not to my, to like a lot of people's surprise and, and, uh, or to you, Josh, as well. Uh, kind of what we expected. I will say it was a bit disappointing because for Irina, man, I think you really expected her to really go out there and put it all out on the line. And it didn't seem like she was just, uh, Obviously, because of Amanda and kind of her ability, she was put on the on the back foot. But you almost wish she took some more risk earlier on because when she did land, I'm not gonna lie, I think she might have had like the two best punches and kicks of the whole fight. Granted, those those didn't amount to anything because she lost rounds, but I felt like she connected the best throughout the fight, even though she did wear most all all the damage mainly in the fight. 
mm-hmm. the shot she did land seemed to be uh, pretty effective. Uh, just that the risk didn't happen early on and didn't come in later in the fight at that point, which Amanda was able to just control and take over and win. Um, I don't know if there's a lot more that you want to add to mm-hmm. that, but to kind of get into the retirement itself, and I'll yeah, let I it mean, bounce back here in a minute. Yeah, sorry. I was just, real quickly, on the on the fight itself, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think the only thing that I can really add is that I think Arena Aldon is going to exit this fight really kick, kicking herself, man. Um. No, I don't – I'm not going to say that she would have won the fight. She would have been more after – or if she would have been more willing to go for it. She'd get busted up already. Um, but I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like you're right. She had literally the biggest moment of the fight, I feel like, in that first round. And she had the power, and she proved that she could take those big shots. She just – you know, damn. She just did not – she was not able to get anything going. And I feel like she's going to be kicking herself. But yeah, please go ahead and give your thoughts on a minute of retirement. Now, as far as retirement, I mean – she leaves on top of the sport. She leaves with money. She she leaves with arguably probably at least somewhat decent health. Granted that whenever you're competing in combat sports, do you ever leave with great health? You know, uh, and with a a, fa- a growing family. I mean, it was just a wholesome moment. Double champ with both belts, and uh, I think she said something along the lines after uh, in the presser that. You know, no matter who becomes champ after this, it will never be the real champ or be able to, like, catch up to my accolades. And the person after that won't either. And the person after that won't either as well. You know, she submitted a, a uh, almost untouchable les- legacy, it feels like, and uh, she beat the who's who in the sport, and uh, she leaves no questions unanswered. Mm. Yeah, I think you put it really well there. I mean, she said that... uh Whoever wins after her is going to be a fake champion forever. And, you know, I don't think that's a great way to put it. But I think that, uh, yeah, she was so far ahead of her contemporaries. I mean, I I don't think there's any – I mean, she's been the GOAT for a while. But I think it's going to take a very long time for somebody to surpass Amanda Nunes. Um, I mean, she's beaten basically every single relevant woman to also fight in MMA. I mean, you can run down the list. I mean, Juliana Pena. I mean, granted, she lost the uh, Pena first time, but then, I mean, if you're going to avenge a loss of 50-43 wins, it's about as good of a way you can do it. Um, you know, Megan Anderson, Jermaine Durandamy, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Shevchenko, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, you know, um, just so many wins. I mean, the, and she's been, you know, it's easy to forget, but she's been around as far back as the Strike Force days, man, whenever she's, she was knocking out people like Julia Budd, so... Amanda Nunes is a veteran of the game. She's been fighting for 15 years now, and her calling it quits, man. I mean, she's calling it quits at a good time, too. Going out on top, not too many people can say that. But I, I do want to go ahead and note real quickly, or not really know, but just discuss real quickly. So Juliana Pena was in attendance at UFC 289, and she, you know, she shouted and, and made a big scene during Amanda Nunes' retirement, which got her a lot of uh, hate. On uh, on social media, but nonetheless, I mean, she was there. Juliana Payne was in attendance at the event. It seems likely that she'll probably fight for the vacant title next. Angel, I'll pitch it to you. Who do you want to see Juliana Payne fight for the vacant? I'll give it to the only person who's deserving of it in the division, man, and Raquel Pennington. She's silently kind of a uh, for a while there. We talked about it. She's like she's building this little win streak, and it's going. And I mean, Marion Renault, Pennington's dad. Maisie Chase on, who was uh, Irina's last win. Aspen Ladd and Kayla Beard. She's got a nice little group of women in there. She was potentially maybe looking forward to add Irina Aldana to that. 
but was prevented that because I ran got the call up to the title shot. I don't know, man. It seems like a pretty reasonable one to me, one that's extremely deserving. You know, we're we're, we're always talking about fighters being on win streaks and not getting shots, and you know, I think we should continue to support that idea. And uh, not that idea, but the idea of giving people who are on win streak shots at titles. Sorry, kind of misworded it there a little bit. Yeah, I think that um, you went ahead and uh, you laid it out there pretty well. I think Raquel Pennington should be getting the next title shot. But I, I don't know, man. I think the UFC is going to do something creative. I think the UFC is very well aware that nobody cares about the women's bantamweight division. And they're going to cut the women's featherweight division. That one's gone. I mean, we make jokes about it, but... I mean, let's be honest, Angel. I mean, <laughs> let's just be real for a minute here. It's talking about, it's what do you talking mean, John? About. 145, never die. WEC, never die. Pride, never die. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, dude? You laid it out there. The, the most iconic things in MMA. You know, fucking pride, never die. WEC, women's 145, never die, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that, uh, yeah, that one's definitely done. But I mean, jokes aside, I think 135, I think the UC knows that they need to, they need like a shot in the arm to that division. Cause even with Amanda as champion, nobody cared. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think they're going to get creative. Whether that means, you know, maybe Aaron Blanchfield coming on up, baby. I mean, hey, look, cold blooded. You guys know that I, I go hard for cold blooded. You know what I mean? I've, I've been, I've been, I've been doing the, I've been pumping the brakes on the, uh, on everybody else in the women's bantamweight, not women's bantamweight, flyweight division for a while, like, nobody matters but Aaron Blanchfield. I mean, but uh, I think if she decides to move up, which there was a, a rumor earlier this week that potentially she's looking at moving up and potentially becoming the youngest uh, women's champion ever. Angel, are you down to see history? Because I am. You know, I think it's a cool thing, but I feel like we're robbing people who are at the weight class, who have been working there, who have fought the fighters there, of a of an important moment, you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like Aaron could still do that. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, that division's open right now, man, uh, with Amanda being gone now. Uh, I will say, though, for the UFC, man, I really hope they capitalize on this because there'll be a lot of money off their books, right? They, they're not thinking about offering a fight to Amanda or the kind of, and who knows what kind of money Amanda was getting by the end of her career, but I'm sure it was pretty good, especially mm-hmm. for how long she was champ and, uh, I feel like she probably had a pretty decent relationship with the UFC. Uh, I feel like they should really invest into getting more girls into this weight class and kind of developing it, you know? Like just mm-hmm. pouring young girls into it, matching them against each other, and then just building, you know, just dogs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, let me be clear. You are correct. Because as much as I'm, I am somebody who complains a lot about fighters not getting title shots, and I am saying that Aaron Blanchfield should be able to come up from 125, which makes me a complete hypocrite. And I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, I, actually, I actually do agree, Angel. Here's what I think they should do, right? Because I said Juliana Pena will probably get the title shot next. I don't think she deserved the immediate rematch against Nunes to begin with. And then she pulled out. I don't... I know that's what the, the the direction the UFC is going to go in, which is why they had her in attendance at the fights, like front row to begin with, because they wanted to tease a trilogy. But Angel, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I I don't care if Juliana Pena gets the next title shot. I think Raquel Pennington needs to be in there, but I would also would not mind uh, Aaron Blanchfield coming up. Aaron Blanchfield versus Raquel Pennington for the for the vacant title. I know it won't sell a whole lot, but I mean, I don't think Juliana Pena really deserves it. So it's like I mean, it'd be a third feature fight on a pay per view, which no matter what would be sick. Another one I also heard out there that was getting thrown around was Holly Holm. 
Yeah, but Holly is booked though. That's very important to know. True. Uh, Holly is booked. But she's for... fighting next month though, and we don't yeah. know if she could come out and get an early finish. So it's only it's not that far away. We're literally a week away, or not away, thirty days away from that. I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC, you know, God forbid, if something happens to any fight that's coming up, I wouldn't be surprised if they just take Maya Bruno Silva and Holly Holm and have them fight for the vacant belt. Jesus, could you imagine? I can, yeah, I could actually imagine, totally, one hundred percent. When you I, mean, I the, don't think it would. I don't think it would make sense. But I mean, Holly Holm probably wins that fight. Well, by the way, I will say the the top five of this division isn't bad. It's kind of once you look past five, it's kind of it's kind of rough. But it's it's Irene Ladala, Kayla Vera, Holly Holm, Rico to Juliana Pay. I mean, that's a strong five, you know, uh, with Amanda gone. Uh, you know, they talk about women's bantamweight. Josh, do you know who number six is by any chance? But just just a shot in the dark. Uh, it's it's someone you you know. You know? Is it? Is it Macy, Chason, or something? Macy, is it? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Macy. Is it Macy? Okay, you're not, you're not that far off. Macy's number eight. Gianna's number six. Gianna Santos. Hmm, okay. After that, it's Panic. That, that shows how bad the division is. Macy Chason, Tara Rosa, and Myra Buenasilva's number ten. We got Misha Tate at number eleven. And some interesting people, like interesting people, like Norma Dumont at thirteen. I mean, Yana Santos hasn't won a fight in two and a half years, and she's number six. Jesus that, that, Christ! That 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 that's my whole point here, man. That's number six. Once you look past five, it's very rough. Is there some potential people who could do some stuff? Yes, without a doubt. I think Chelsea Chandler's an interesting gal. Josie Nunes at number fourteen. Norma Dumont, who we also mentioned throughout the podcast. Misha Tate, you know. Um, uh, if she decides to maybe make a return to one thing. Well, Misha Tate was originally supposed to face Myra Bruno Silva, and then Holly Holm stepped in. So yeah, she's, yeah. she's fine. She's back in one thirty-five. But yeah, so definitely some interesting stuff there. A potential Juliana Pena Misha Tate match. Former tough coach versus former tough competitor or teammate or whatever you want to call him. Student. There's there's. You know, there's something interesting there. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I think that the UFC knows that they don't really have too many potential. Stars by the, by the way, are you are you excited for an Ultimate Fighter season of Juliana Pena and Raquel Pena? Angel, I'm not even joking. If if if, if, there's, if there's an Ultimate Fighter season of Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington, and you ask me what would you rather do than watch that season, it'd be like paint dry, <laughs> fight Francis Ngannou. Like, go get my, like, donate blood, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would, I would rat, I would rather go get in a fucking car crash than watch <laughs> 12 episodes, you know what I mean? Dude, I'm a diehard fan, I'd watch it. I, I mean, I would too, but I, I don't think you could get two less people, I mean, I, like, if you're talking about relevant fighters and contenders, I don't think you get two less people. And I'm not even being mean either, because I like Juliana Pena. Like, I think she's entertaining, because I think it's funny how much people hate her. And Raquel Pennington, I respect a lot. I, re- I respect the shit out of Raquel Pennington. Um, but I don't, I don't think either one of them on tough is, is interesting. I mean, right. but I mean, dude, it's crazy to me that, like, this division, I can't believe, that's probably the fight they're gonna make. I mean, I, they could do, they could throw in Aaron Blanchfield, and I would not be surprised, but, it looks like Pena versus Raquel Pennington is going to be an action for the title, and that is I, like I said, I re- I really do hope they pour into 135 because I think 135 is uh out of the three. Let's, let's be honest, three female divisions, it's it's the one lacking the most in in talent. I feel like the other two are in a pretty comfortable spot. 
And Alexa Grasso winning like her fight against Valentina has really opened up a lot of people's eyes and hope. I, I've always th- I've always thought though the cl- the if they're you know I always thought Amanda Valentina had a good gap between everybody else in the division. I never thought of Rose or Spars or even uh, Whaley have like a crazy gap between everybody else. But for me, I felt like for Valentina, look, I really thought it was going to be just her forever. It was kind of nice to see Grasso come in and uh, Grasso come in and make a kind of a statement and be like, okay, it's getting tighter at the top. And especially with uh, Talia Sanos, who kind of did that for us already. I, I hope we have a similar kind of era and look for 135 as well. But, uh, or I guess now that uh, Amanda's gone, I was kind of hoping that would eventually happen. But I feel like now what they really need to do is really stack the talent pool, like I said uh, earlier in the pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you put it, put it pretty well there. I think that... uh. They need to badly get some new talent, um, and and hopefully they do. I mean, I mean, women's flyweight got improved. I mean, that division was terrible because it just started back in like 2019. But it was, I mean, it's been decent. It, it did not take long for that division to turn around. Um, I hope women's bantamweight could do the same. Um, but we've been stuck in a holding pattern for like two or three years now of like just the, this division just not moving at all. Um, so hopefully, I mean, hopefully whatever happens with this division, hopefully we get an active champion. Contenders start fighting more. Maybe they sign a couple more people, but you know, Angel, it's about time to move on, move move on to the co-main event, which was the people's the people's main event. Because Angel, the champion, has a name, and he is illuminated by God. Charles Dubronx Oliveira is back, baby. Josh, you have been Dubronxed. <laughs> you have been Dubronx. Yeah, dude, and gets a first round win, first round knockout win over Benil Daryush. Um. You know, look, man, this this fight was pretty – there was a couple of interesting early exchanges, and then Oliver just ended out of nowhere on the ground, man. I mean, what do you think about his his big win? He does what he does, man, what he's been doing. Maybe it looks a little sketchy and it looks a little rough, but you know what? The ending's always going to be, and it's always going to be an Oliver finish, man. Submission or, or KO or TKO. He fucking did it again, man. I, I gotta be honest, man, uh, I thought it was gonna be a tough fight. And it was tough. It was still tough. For the one round it lasted, it was very tough. <laughs> but, uh, fuck, dude, I, I was, I thought it was Benil time. I thought it was Benny time, man. I thought this confidence he had, and he had no worry on the feet. And, uh, and if the fight went to the ground, he was perfectly comfortable with those exchanges. And, uh, Fucking Friday comes around, Josh, and they both look like shit on the scale. <laughs> Granted, they're cutting weights, so they're gonna look like shit, but Benio especially looked like shit. And, uh, I don't know if it played a factor or not, because Benio did look pretty good early on. Benio, or not Benio, but Charles Oliveira with that fucking head kick, man, at the start of the round, and the one, and the, and the kick that led to the finishing sequence at the end of the round. Fucking beautiful, man. Excited to see it. Josh, I think the question though is, is Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev the fight to make now? Angel, come on, brother. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. you just been Dubrox, man. You know what it is. Uh, I think that Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev, too, is the fight to make. Um, but I also know that if, if Volkanovski gets a big win uh, in a month from now, I'll feel different. Um, I don't, I'm not joking. I feel like it's actually too early to tell. I think that you have you have this fight, and then you have uh, Volkanovski's fight next month, and you also have Poirier versus Gaethje 2 
happening next month. See, I, think I that, just don't think either one of those guys deserve it, though. I, mean, I don't either, but I think it would depend on how the fight would go and just how... Because, yeah. like I said, I think it's, I think there's too many unknowns, you know? I Personally, personally, I think Oliveira is the fight to make. And I think that... uh Especially since you can make a Tabu Dhabi again. He can, he, he, think about how poetic that would be. Exactly. Oliveira I mean, got a... Got a bounce back win over Benil Darius, the guy who was on this massive win streak, the guy who was going to be prevented from being successful and beat all these guys to fucking make it to the title, right? And then fucking Charles comes out here and avenges his, not avenges his, his last loss, but kind of re- bounces back, I guess is the proper way to put it. And then he calls out the fucking champ. He's coming off a tough fight, you know, kind of maybe, maybe questionable decision, but he's still holding the title down. And they do it back in Abu Dhabi, and Charles Oliveira is able to recapture the uh, the title. That'd be pretty poetic, man, if they could do that. Yeah, and that's partially why I think it is one of those. I think it's my personal favorite option. I think it'd be very poetic, and I also think that I've been very clear on the idea that uh, I did not think that Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira one was going to be competitive. Do you guys remember the lead up to that fight on the podcast? I was like, that's not fights, not even. That fight's not even going to be close. Um, and then it wasn't close. But it's funny because Benny's this, obviously, the win over Benny, and then obviously seeing the amount of success that Volkanovski had, and I'll say two different fighters, two different types of, you know. Um, styles and builds. Yeah, ex- exactly. Styles and make fights and so on and so forth. But I don't know, man. I think that uh, I am kind of a believer in that idea that maybe Oliveira just did have a bad night. And, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see how things go uh, again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's book it. I think Volkanovski, yeah, for one, I don't even – I don't think Volkanovski will be able to be able to make the turnaround. I got a feeling that Yair Rodriguez fight. I got a weird feeling about that one. I feel like that's going to be like an all time banger. Like I think <laughs> right, he's, he's going to need some time. You don't fight Yair, Yair Rodriguez and then turn around in like three months. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. That's okay though, because we'll we'll take that fight at the start of next year. You know, in fucking Auckland, New Zealand, uh, or in Australia, or one of the two places wherever the fuck they would want to do it. Yeah, of course. And then also Volkanovski already mentioned like he's like, hey, you know if. If Islam is, 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 you know, busy, then I'll go ahead and I got a problem fighting for the BMF title. Shit. And anyways, Josh, it's not like the fucking UFC isn't trying to get fucking Pahea to become 205 champ so easy could rematch him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, to add on to, to like a card with Volk, you're telling me a fucking Volk 155 title rematch and Izzy 205 dual weight champ against Alex Pahaya rematch again? We are still so far away from that, dude. Dude, you don't think the UFC is thinking this far ahead, man? No, no, I, no, know, I know that they I know that they I know these. Are. I know these fuckers are thinking that far ahead, Josh. I'm just saying it. You know, if, if, if everything goes as planned and or if everything works out as it does, you know, I'm just saying, potential inside a card. I'm just theory crafting out here, man. I'm trying to get us excited. I try to make us DTF, Josh, down to fight. <laughs> Exactly, dude. Exactly. We all, we are down to fight. I mean, look, dude. I think that 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 makes sense. It's just um, it's just a matter of if it can happen. But yeah, to, to kind of close it out. And actually, one last thing I do want to go ahead and mention, because I made like the day of UFC 287 or the day before, I put up a meme on our TikTok. You know, like POV Charles Oliveira gets a knockout win at 11:07. I put that in the first round or whatever. I did not expect that whatsoever. Let me be clear. I'm not a fucking time traveler. I'm just. <laughs> Because I got a couple of comments back on the post that were like, holy shit. And it's just like, yeah, dude, holy shit, I didn't expect it to be right either, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're telling me. <laughs> you're telling me, dude. I mean, I picked Oliveira to win, but I, he knocked him out at like 11.06, dog. Like, it's just... <laughs> uh, 
But, uh, you know, we almost, you know, had a really cool moment there. But regardless, yeah, I mean, excited for, for Oliver and uh, what happens in the next. But speaking of uh, big wins, dude, I mean, Mike Milan is a real fucking deal. Uh, did not take him long to go out there and go get a second-round submission win over Adam Fuji. Actually, to be clear, Mike Milan not rocked him. And then he he rocked him, he dropped him, and then he subbed him. Which, uh, you know, if he would have just stopped him at the rock and dropped him and then just kept on with the punches, I'd have more money in my bank account this morning. Alas, <laughs> he did not. So, uh, Angel, what do you think of Mike Malott getting a submission win on Saturday? Like I said, man, from the moment we kind of saw this guy come in, it was just like, damn, okay, this we need to keep an eye here. I, I look, and obviously I, I don't know yet where he casts out off at because he's beating – these people who, you know, they're not top 15, they're not, uh, you know, top 10, they're not even just barely outside of the 15, but he's taking care of them in the fashion of a guy who would be potentially in the rankings, right? Uh, I just want to continue to see these kids grow. Welterweight has a lot of killers, a lot of guys who aren't in the rankings, like himself, Malat. And other guys like, for example, like I, I, I was just looking at it, but like Renat Fraknaninov, who I just saw right here, Mile, uh, Michael Morales, uh, Gabriel Bonfim, uh, just to name off a few, and even guys like Jeremiah Wells is another one. Nicholas Dalby and Muslim Zolikov, who are not ranked fighters but are fighting this weekend, also guys were killers, you know. So he definitely has a ways to go, uh, but don't be surprised if this if this guy is fighting in a ranked fight soon or. Or another pay per view main event, or they gave him another uh, main card to look as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Mike Belmont's a real deal. I mean, we we got a couple of guys coming up right now in that weight class that are like that look like they could potentially be maybe not future champions, but at the very least future contenders and so on and so forth. There's He's so many guys. Though. Yeah, there's, so there's multiple. We got, who do we got? I mean, we got obviously Mike Belmont. We got fucking Ian Gary. Um, who else? Uh, Christian Leroy Duncan, he's at, uh, what is it, 170, right? Yeah, I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe so. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, who who else? There's obviously the big one that I can't think of. blanking on his name right now. Oh, no, Chris Leroy, uh, 185, my bad. 185? Never mind. Um, there's somebody who's been blanking on right now. Monster. I can't think of his name. There's so many, dude. I mean, like, if we're, we're talking unranked, by the way. Yeah, you can name yeah, on E. Gary, who is ranked, but unranked, there's, there's, there's a few. And we're not even talking about, like, competitive fighters at 170 like Max Payne with Griffin and Chaos Williams Alex Morona types you know like guys who are also dogs mm-hmm. yeah um anyways man I mean I think yeah Michael lost the real deal excited to see what he does next um next up on the main card though dude we gotta we gotta go and Nate the Train was on the main card. Nate the Train was at the press conference, baby. Nate the Train was at the weigh-ins. Nate the Train exited with a loss. Unanimous decision to Dan Ige on Saturday, 29-28, 29-28, 30-27. Kind of the way that we thought this fight would play out. If if Nate Landberg could not make it his fight, which he was unable to, uh, we kind of figured it would go down this way. What did you think about Dan Ige picking up the win? Look, even knowing uh, Nate the Train lost, and look, I had thought from the moment this matchup made, I was uh, Dan Ige all the way. Uh, just because I was like, I, I think Nate Landward's good, but I just don't know. Once he gets to that, those big fights, I just feel like what he does is not going to be as effective at the top. But I will give him credit, Josh. I thought he did very well. And I'm like, you know something? I could actually see Nate Landward 
again in this position, you know, on the main card fighting a rank fighter or or on the early field or whatever it is, but another opportunity to rank guy because I don't know. I thought he did still pretty well. Obviously, he didn't get the W. Still got beat up, but hey, that's how it is. I just think he, don't be surprised if you see him back against him. He actually surprised me. I think I could potentially maybe in the future see him as a maybe a lingering guy on the lower half of the rankings. No, I actually agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, for in, in regards to Danny get picking up the win, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this fight. Um, he's a guy that stays trucking second win in a row for Nate Land, where um, he'll be back. I mean, he's holding down I, his spot, man. That, like he has got like a very secure spot right now, and he's that, found his groove in the in the company. You know. For sure. Like, he, he's got that action fighter position right now in that weight class. And, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of guys that prefer to be champion, but there's worse places to be, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and, it's, and it's sad because the people he's lost are guys who were, were above him. You know, like Mozart, Ivalov, Josh Emmett, Korean Zombie, and, and Calvin Kagan. I mean, fuck, man, that's proper ranking. You know, like, at least at least the rankings are accurate to, to the results of the, of the fighters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, actually, one quick one quick thing I want to go ahead and note before we go ahead and move on. Um, not really no, but I guess one one quick thing I want to go ahead and uh, throw out there, dude. Um, Nate Landwehr, first first loss in in about two and a half years. Obviously, thirty five years old. I want I want to ask you this question: Does Nate gun to your head? And you, you got to you got to remember there's the, the competitive fight on 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 Saturday. You know Dan Ige's ranked. He's been as high as like top five. You know what I mean? And do you think Nate Landwehr will ever break into the UFC top ten? Like in in the featherweight? Uh, yeah, I, I want you to I want you to look into your crystal ball in the future. Do you think Nate the Train will ever have? I think that he could be. I think he'd be outside of the ten. I think he'd be like eleven through fifteen. I don't. I, you know what, Angel? I disagree. I actually got a weird feeling about Nate Landwehr, dude. I got a. Ba- I got a weird feeling he's gonna stay around and be and like get higher success than we think. Really? Dude, I feel like coming out of this fight, like he lost, but I didn't come out of this feeling like he got. Like I thought, if if he couldn't get his game plan going, he'd lose a lot worse than he did. Does that make sense? Look, that was his performance against the what is Danny Gary right now? The number thirteenth guy. Yeah. But I also think that Danny Gay is just kind of a. I think Danny Gay is better than number thirteen. You know what I mean? I could, yeah, you're like right. He's only lost to the top, top tier. No, no, you're not wrong for sure. Uh, but no, I could see, like I said, I, I, no matter what, I could see. I wouldn't be surprised if I ever saw a number in front of Nate Land where his name went in the UFC rankings. Hmm. And then it's the the best uh, blanket I can I can say. But like I said, even if he if it is just near the bottom, how I think it probably will be. Yeah. Impress him, nevertheless. Yeah, I agree. There's nothing wrong with it, but uh. Yeah, man. Shout, shout out Nate Landwehr. Shout out Danny Gay. Solid fight on Saturday. Um, this one, opening up the main card, no, I have nothing to say about this. Uh, Marc-Andre Burial defeated Eric Anders by unanimous decision. Called this Basically went the way we went, the way we expected. Um, gun to my head, you know, if I, I regret not putting, uh, saying this one was going to go the distance because this one seemed like on paper. It's like it's it totally going to go the distance. Well, it looked like it could and couldn't at the same time. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I just always, in my head, if I were to think of, like, two guys that consistently go to decision, it'd be Marc-Andre Burial and Eric Anders, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, you sh- Josh, I can think of another guy. Yeah. Bilal 
Remember decision in Muhammad. No. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I can't argue. I like him, but I can't even argue against it. You, you know? can't I'm even like, argue <laughs> against it, can you? Uh, anyways, man, in, in terms of... Uh, and I got one more for you, Josh. Oh, who? Greetings, Nerd Invergence. Colby Covington Incorporated here. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Colby. Colby the... De- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Colby Covington never learned. Like you know, the point of the point of fighting is to put your opponents to sleep, not the fans. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can I think Colby Covington. You know, honestly, I, I props to Colby, dude. Like he honestly, he broke the the stereotype. He broke the stereotype that like boring fighters can't have a fan base. But you just by the way, really fucking race. It's not that. <laughs> do you know what Colby graduated college with? Like what his degrees in? Can I guess? Uh, yeah, go for it. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess either political science or finance. Dude, sociology. Word. Interesting. Okay. Makes, kind of makes you wonder, right? I totally expected Colby to be one of those like political science majors, you know, like. Yeah. You know, just, just one of those. I, like, you you know you know the nerdy white guys that are really into politics, you know. But I found Me. out recently. <laughs> I actually don't know. Yeah, good for. I guess it's good for Colby. I guess. I wonder what John graduated with. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say a felony, but <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Josh. But I mean, him and Colby got—they're on the same page with that one. <laughs> he got. I, I it's like, Col- it's, it's like Colby's on the opposite end. No, no, no. Colby got. Colby got like a DUI in uh, in like college. Oh, yeah. after college, he got a, he got a, he had his, his blood alcohol shit was like, like six times the legal limit or something crazy. Jesus. Colby God. was, he was bullying back in the day, apparently. So, um, yeah, but you know, he, he's a thug, so I don't, I don't associate with <laughs> <a> thug. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is really, I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get into Colby Covington too much more, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is pretty funny. Um, but anyways, man, I mean, rest of the card, I mean, what is there really to say? I mean, Nostradamus, Imovov, Chris Curtis, that looked like a banger on paper. Ends up being a no contest. That one's unfortunate to see. Um, devastating, Josh. Devastating. Absolutely devastating. And by the way, Chris Curtis has been uploading pictures to, like, social media. His eyes still fucked up, like, three or four days later, so. You know, people were calling him a bitch and all this and that. Why'd you tell that they were good now when you really weren't, you know? Or why did you say uh, you weren't good to go yet and lied or whatever? They were saying why he didn't lie. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is I'll never, I'll never doubt anybody that gets in the cage. It's just a general rule, right? Like, there are certain things that, like, there, there are jobs that people will be like, you know, like, oh, you can't criticize them, and you totally can. You know, like, I don't know, I don't have to be a five star chef to tell you that a, that a fucking that a meal can suck, okay? But when it comes to cage fighting, it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to judge Chris Curtis for not continuing to fight. A fucking monster like Nasruddin Imovov with one eye. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not in there with Chris, so I'm not. I'm he's not just, Chris. I'm yeah. not in Chris's shoes right now. So and he just wanted time too, man. That was the other thing. It's not like he was trying to like not fight. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, man. Fan, fans always say that like this this guy's scared, that guy's scared. Well, and then we had it too, and then I saw Miranda Maverick put up some posts about how people were sending her death threats. After losing, Jesus. after being upset by Jasmine Jezevicius, I'm like, dude, like, I, MMA fans are some of the worst people on the planet. Like, sure, like, oh my god, dude. Like, um, speaking dude, of what did you think about her loss, obviously? I was surprised. I was very surprised. 
I was very confident on her. I thought she was one of the locks of the week if he wanted to maybe put a bet on someone. And ended up uh, getting upset, man. I just, you know, I just didn't expect Jasmine to look the way she did. I mean, granted, I remember when she uh, she put on the Contender Series, I was like, oh, okay. This looks like she looks like she has some potential. You know, she she could maybe potentially have an interesting future. And then she came in, got a win, got a loss, got a win. And I was like, all right. And then finally she kind of kind of got a, I would like to say, kind of a signature win or kind of a notable win in Miranda Maverick, someone who has a little bit of a name power. Maybe not a lot necessarily, but some, some name value. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, will, I will advise, obviously, she's still only 25 years young. She's still going to be around in this for a long time. Um, it is, it, it obviously sucks to see her lose, and she was my highlighted fighter of the week. So it is unfortunate to see it go down like down like that, but she'll be back. I mean, the death threat. I mean, that's just fucking crazy. But I mean, she she's she's still very good. Jazz. I think it's more of a case of Jasmine Jasovich is just being better than people expected or knew. Um. So yeah, man. I think that. Uh. I think I think she'll be back. She'll be fine. Um. Also on the card. Uh. Almahan Zahabi knocking out. Ari Quelling in the first round. That was a devastating knockout, dude. What do you think about that one? Sick, man. Sick finish. Uh, Even though I kind of had faith in him, he wasn't the betting favorite, but I was like, I feel like he's about to surprise a lot of people. And uh, he did. He got a sick finish at the start of the round. And, uh, I mean, that was a statement one. What else would you say outside of that sick highlight finish? And uh, we hope to see him again, man, because uh, he should have a pretty decent turnaround, depending when he wants to fight again. But, Josh... I need to give my highlight oh, yeah. fighter of the week. Banger came in on short notice. Being direct fighter. It is now ranked in for his first UFC fight. Steve Ursig of Australia, I believe. 9-1 coming to UFC. Takes the fight on two weeks notice. Bam. Gives us a, I would like to say, maybe potential fight of the year contender. Fight. I definitely fight of the night performance. What a way to do it, man. I was brought to my attention by him. I I, I watched a lot of uh of like uh, gambling channels, Josh, and someone was like, "Don't." They're like, "Watch out for Steve Versig." I got a feeling. I went back and watched a few fights. He's coming in on short notice, but don't be surprised if he pulls up the upset. And look, I was fucking still surprised, man, because he came in on short notice and and did what he did on that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking, he came in here on very short notice. And, I mean, when's the last time we had somebody come in here on, like, short notice and beat a ranked guy, like, and become... It's it to be a while, dude. Have yeah, it's been a long, long time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Steve, that's Steve, Steve Ersing's Astro Boy. You couldn't have picked a better guy, so... Uh, full props there. I mean, By the way, if you Nate, can find that out, please inform. I am actually really curious about that. If you I, I, would, I would have to honestly do a bit of Googling, but... Yeah. I'm just saying, if you, for some reason you find out, please tell me. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, as far as the rest of the card, uh, use 289 goes, any closing thoughts? No, um, you know, Josh, Oh, uh, one thing I did want to ask you before we do move on, like, how overall do you rank the card? Uh, I know that's kind of what you just asked me, but, I, I like, to give you kind of, like, a a, a very plain answer, mm-hmm. I thought it was just all right. If we're talking strictly pay-per-view main card, I'd say overall, I don't know, i give it, like, a six, maybe, for the pay-per-view, but a mm-hmm. lot of that is weighed on, like, Charles Oliveira being on the fucking main card and... Mike Malott getting a finish. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I think that the card itself is fine. You know, I think that we shit on a lot going into fight week, and I think understandably so. Um, this is a pay-per-view. It, I mean, this card is – what's the pay-per-view at now? I mean, I don't I don't actually buy them. But they're like 75 bucks, right? Dude, they're like 80 bucks after tax, I'm pretty sure. So $80 after tax. Yeah, I mean, $80 for this card is still fucking ridiculous, but I think that it was still- – I, I hope no one – Paid eighty bucks for this. Yeah. By you, the way, guys, if you if, if you, want, if you did game, stop buying stop buying UFC product. <laughs> Dude, by the way, if you did buy this, you're either the biggest Amanda Nunes diehard fan, or just the biggest diehard in the world. I gotta give you credit because I would have not put. Dude, you know how we usually split this? Like whenever we watch cards, we split it like two or three ways, like max ever. Dude, I would split this shit like five ways to consider buying it. Yeah, I mean that's literally what we what we. Did with the boys for like a year or two there, because and now they keep on putting them up, and the cards keep on getting worse. So it's like, why would you even buy this if you're just one guy, you know? Yeah, no, you definitely want to buy it with people, because do not buy this. No, don't even buy it with two people. Find more people and fucking go to your local movie theater and fucking watch this shit. Like, do not fucking spend the full price. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, uh, this one was certainly not worth your money. If it was, then that I mean, I'll be honest. Like two was it two ninety one, two ninety two. Yeah, Dustin get you one. Definitely worth your money. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean there are cards that are worth the money. It's just the ma- the vast majority of them aren't. Like I said, this card was fine. Uh, it was better than I expected, but I mean we're still talking about the bar being the floor. So um, based, I, mean, I think that's honestly why they held a lot of cards at the apex. So that way, whenever they leave the apex, everything else looks so much better by comparison. <laughs> um, but you know, speaking of the apex, Angel, we're back. It's just. just Oh man, are, are we really? And where are yeah, we the week after? Dude. Where are we the week after that? Apex? Uh, no, Jacksonville, Florida. Oh wow. So pretty sick. So we only got one Apex card. So and well, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're gonna go back after that. But regardless. Yep, they are. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, so UC Vegas 75 uh, going down this Saturday night for the UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Middleweights ranked in middleweights. Headlining the card, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, obviously Marvin Vittori, the Italian stallion, coming off a win over Rowan Didelize in March, taking on Jared the Carrot, the Jared the Killer Gorilla. Jared the Carrot Cannonier was the name. God damn it! I was going to say Jared the Killer Gorilla. I combined Cannonier with Killer. Jared Carrot Cannonier. Anyway, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> no, you shut the fuck up, Josh. <laughs> Anyways, man. So we you got want me to fire you live on air, Josh? Do you want me to fire you? I I don't I don't. Do, do you realize that's not how that you don't have the cl- you don't have the clearance to fall to fire me? <laughs> that's not. I'm I'm the one in charge here. It's just, just, just. Did you think you were in charge the whole time? It's just. No, but anyway, I can access the vending machine at all times freely. <laughs> I really have power here. Yeah, right. But we got we got Jared Cannonier back. He's coming off a winner with Sean Strickland in December. Uh, both these guys trying to get a tile shot. I don't think either one of them are anywhere close to it. But you know, we'll see how things go. Um, this fight's you know, I mean, I don't even. I, the preview of this fight, I don't even know, man. I mean, it's I got no idea who's going to win this one. It's even on the betting line. What do you think, man? Fuck, dude. I, I'm i going to go Marvin Vittori. I think he'll be able to give shots accurately, move laterally very well, have plenty of cardio across five rounds. I think he'll be able to prevent any takedowns. 
And if he does go to the ground, I think Marvin actually has a a slicker ground game that we see. Like most fighters, they have it, but you don't get to see it because that's not most of the times where they want to go. So I'm going to go Marvin Vittori in the main event. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to do too. Um, I think that Jared Cannonier is getting up there at age 39. Obviously, he's going to be 40 next year, 40 next March, I guess I should say. Um, he has won three or four. He's still very, very good, but I, you can tell that he's clearly slowing down. I thought it was very evident, even in his fights against Derek Bronson and Israel Adesanya. He did beat Sean Strickland by decision back in December, but that fight was not very impressive. I'm going to go with Tori. You know something um, what I'm looking at, too, now? Kind of we're looking at Kennedy's, like, resume. Yeah. And it's not to speak back of it, because he has... But you look at the people... So you got, like, a, you got a split decision over Sean. Controversial at the time. <laughs> he lost to Izzy. All right, so be it. But a win over Derek Brunson, who, granted, I know Derek was on a little win streak, but he's also on the older end. Uh, Kelvin, who looked terrible for a long time, and now is making a weight change and got a win. Uh, Robert Whitaker. By the way, that's 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 three years worth of stuff, Josh. This is a Robert Whitaker loss. This is a second loss. Before that, a Jack Hermanson win and an Anderson Silva win and a David Branch win. Before that, it's Dom Reyes. Not to speak bad about his 185 run because it's been it's had its moments, but when you look at his wins, I mean the I'd say the most noticeable one are probably Derek and Sean and Jack. But he's falling short to both of the other top guys in the division. And even then, like, I don't know where you put those Jack and Derek, Sean wins. You know, I, I'd still like, I'd say for 185, yeah, like those, those are some of the best, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a little, it doesn't impress me, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the reason why I'm taking Jared Kennedy, taking, uh, excuse me, I'm taking more Vittori in the main event against Jared Kennedy. I think he's the younger guy by a decade. And I also think that, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's... Holy he's shit. Younger. I forget Marvin's so young, dude. He's about to turn 30 this year. Yeah, I mean, and he's been around fighting UFC for not a decade now, but I want to say like eight, seven, eight years at this point. Um, yeah, uh, I'm looking at it right now. 2016. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, I'm going to... I just think he's a younger guy. I also think at the top level, I've been more impressed with his wins. Um Specifically, like the Paulo Costa win, the Roman Dilizzi win, because Roman looked like he was coming on, man, earlier uh, earlier this year, and then Marvin just shut him down, man. So. By the way, those those three guys really hold their place at 185 very well. I'd say, like their value, like I know very clearly always what I'm gonna get with these three guys: Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, Marvin Mentori, uh, Josh. I'm very confident about those guys at all times. I'd say, like, when you go past that, everybody else, I kind of have kind of questions, some uncertainty. But I think those three guys are definitely, like, very, you know what they're going to do. You know what they're capable of, and they've proven themselves. And you've seen everything they have to offer at this point. Especially, I mean, I mean, two of the guys are, are champs, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, for them, that is more clear than anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think that uh, Vittori is very consistent. Like you said, I think if there's one issue you can have with him, it's not going to be that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have my qualms with Vittori. He, he's kind of a – he's kind of good at everything, but not – not doesn't overly excel at anything. 
uh-huh. I think it's probably the way to put it. And, and at 185, that's not bad. That's not a bad place to be, uh, which is why he's been able to fight for the title, and he's been competitive with the top five for so long. So uh, I think we've got a win here. Um, the co-main event is, look, I don't want to be mean. Kind of a formality, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very sad, man. They should have just held off. They really should have. Unless Armin just wanted to find the, like, fuck it, give me whoever, you know? I think he probably just wanted to fight. It's been over six months. Yeah. But I, I don't have any inside information on that one, though. So. Granted, um, though, who, who is he going to fight right now, though? That's that's kind of the issue. They should have given him Fiziv, right? Or, so, or Chandler. At the time, Chandler made sense. Yeah, I think a Chandler fight, because uh, the official... So actually, Conor had Conor McGregor has two days, I believe, the time frame to enroll into USADA um, to fight by the end of the year. So I think if Conor doesn't do that, then a potential fight with Chandler will have to wait until 2023. I don't not excuse me, 2024, and I don't think Chandler will want to do that. So I think an Armand versus Chandler fight makes sense. But we haven't even talked about who he's fighting. We haven't even said his opponent. So uh, Armand Sarukian is going to be fighting um, Joaquin Silva over the uh, over this weekend. You know, he's been in the UFC long-time veteran. I mean, since 2015, came off tough Brazil 4. I mean, he's got some good wins. I mean, he knocked out Jesse Ronson, beat Jared Gordon, but anytime he stepped up to even, not even the top level, but the echelon below the top level. Like, whenever he stepped up to guys, like, that are unranked but might be ranked in the future, like Ricky Glenn, he's lost. So, um, you know, Armand Saruki, and according to the live betting line that I just looked at from MGM, he's a minus 1,000 uh yeah, he's gonna win on Saturday. Um, this is probably one of the most secure like picks of the whole year, unless somehow we just cuck ourselves. But I'm pretty confident on this one, Josh. Yeah, I feel very confident in this one. Bet the house on the Armenian. Bet the house on on Armin. So yeah, man. I mean, same page, man. Um, anyways, rest of the card. What do you uh which which uh which fights you most want to talk about? There's a couple of good names on uh literally on this one. We'll kinda of go one down from where we're at right now, dude. A banger that I never thought about. Christian Leroy Duncan, Armin Petrosian. Sounds like such a fun fight. Uh C L D had a rough uh opening uh in his I guess a, a rough campaign in his first fight. I believe it got stopped. Uh, it was an injury on his uh, opponent's behalf. It was Deuce Vitovic, which, I mean, that fight looked like it was going to be great as well. Sadly, UFC debut is bitter, doesn't go the way you want. You get the win, but at the, you know, at the cost of your opponent's injury, you're, you know, so three months later, we're back here, uh, on U.S. soil, not in England anymore. So I'm curious to see what he's able to do Armin, against Armin Patrician, who, seven and two, this guy has a good skill set, man. Um, Things he can do on the feet are very strong. There's a reason why his last three opponents have tried to take him to the ground on in their fights. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you that's probably the fight to watch if we're being... Um, <clears throat> obviously, the main event's a solid fight. Obviously, I'm excited for the return of Armand Sarukian, who uh, he's always my fighter to, fighter to watch. I mean, I've... <laughs> Been high on that kid forever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the best overall fight on the card is probably CL, the return of CLD versus Armand Petrosian. Um, that's going to be an absolute banger. I'm very excited to see how that one goes. Um, but honestly, dude, you know who I'm also very excited to see return? And it's kind of – it's kind of I'm very surprised that they're opening up the card, like not even just the, the main card or 
Like, the early, they're opening up the card card. I'm surprised that Zach Paga versus Mateus Bukakis is opening up the early, early prelims. Because I don't think either, I don't think those guys are going to be champion. But Mateus Bukakis has, like, a low-key, really good story going right now. I mean, obviously, was in the UFC a long time ago. And by a long time ago, just, like, two years ago, um, got cut after, like, three losses in a row. Got two wins in a row. And Cage Warriors debuted. Uh, re-debuted back in February with a win for Tyson Pedro. I'm excited to see what he's going to go ahead and do. Um, yeah, man, I mean, any any closing thoughts on a couple of these fights? I mean, I live guys that I want to go and talk about, but anybody else before we go ahead and move on? Oh, man, you know, we got to shout out Pat Cipitini, a.k.a. Ryan Wheeler, because he looks like Ryan Wheeler from Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> man, Tori is kind of a guy that I've been hearing a lot from uh, a lot of Mexican fighters. Uh, like Tori is always getting talked about on podcasts and and mentioned always in in good regards. Uh, banger fight that I never thought about, Josh. Muslim Salakov versus Nicholas Alvey opening a main card. I don't know who else you would want to open up your card outside of these guys who they have on, out of the guys they have on the card outside of them too. Those are the guys though that I would have picked as well. Uh, Brandon Brasellos, Maz John, another banger. I mean, there, I think there's a lot on this card, man. If you're a diehard, maybe if you're a casual, I don't think you'll know a lot of these names, but Personally, for myself, Josh, there's a lot of people are looking forward to as well. Uh, outside of the ones I just named, like Dan Argetas, Zamagulov, uh, Carlos Sinat. I mean, there's just too many, Josh. I think this is actually, from for my liking, for someone who watches every week, this is a pretty stat card for myself, personally. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely. Compared to a lot of... Um, compared to a lot of other, like... Apex cards that we've gotten over the last couple of months and the last year, I'd say this is basically fucking UFC 200. <laughs> yeah. Having having Marvin Vittori, Jared Candy, Armand's rookie Armand Petrosian versus the, the notorious CLD. I mean Manuel Torres, Nicholas Mata, Nicholas Dalvers, Muslim Solikov, Zach Palga. I mean there's a couple of good Jimmy Flick, the OG down at Fly. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see this card on Saturday. There's so um, much. There's too much. Yeah, and then, and then we'll have, like, an actual, like, an actual really banger card next week, too, with the return of Joshua Manuel Taporia, but uh, we'll talk about that when it uh, when it comes. Um, Anyways, man, we do have another fight card to talk about, because it's, like, the best, you know, look, man, we, we've talked about the rumors of Bellator being sold, but here's the thing. Bellator is going out. Bellator is going out fucking swinging, apparently. Because uh, they have Bellator versus Ryzen 2, which is happening next month on the, the day of Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, as well as UFC 291. That's their uh, co-promoted card with Ryzen, obviously. But this weekend, Bellator 297 is their greatest card in a long time. Going down Friday night from the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, Illinois, in the main event, Vadim Nemkov from Fedor Team. Obviously, the last emperor's main protege who has won, who has riding an 11 fight on beaten streak, and uh, also tied, also has the record for most title defenses in Bellator light heavyweight history, taking on the soldier of God, Angel, 46 years young, Yo Romero, coming off of two knockout wins in a row inside the Bellator cage. Uh, this is probably. In my the the best fight of the weekend, in my opinion. Um, if not, it's the co-main event. What do you think, man? I'm very excited for this main event going down on Friday night. Fuck, man, you're not even wrong. This might be 
in some, you're not even wrong, the more exciting two fights of the weekend. <laughs> um, to get into the minute, man, I, I'm a Nemkov fan, man. I'm a, I'm a stand. I'll admit it on the show. Mm. I will say though, there is one guy that you could bring into the picture to make an upset. You know, a guy who you just never know what they're going to do. That's fucking Yuval Romero, man. I think if, if, uh, if someone is to stop the Nemkov train, man, don't be surprised if it's Yuval Romero. Now, I'm not picking Yuval Romero, Josh. Mm-hmm. Because I think Nemkov obviously has the racing capabilities. He has stand-up. He has cardio. I just don't see where Yuval Romero is going to be able to do this in five rounds. And if he does, I think we'll have to do it early. Yeah, I think I'm very interested to see actually what Yuval Romero's strategy is. Because I could see him winning this fight for sure. Um, but it just depends on what his strategy is. If he goes out there guns blazing, I could see him get him out of there. I can also see him winning the fight if he chooses to go like a Robert Whittaker 2 style where he kind of paces himself. But also, that was a five-round fight that took place five years ago. At 185. Huh? At 185. At 185, exactly. I mean, so, and a lot could change in five years, man. Honestly, the difference between, you know, fucking like 21 versus 26 and 41 versus 46. By the way, how old is Joel Romero, Josh? He's 46 years old. Yes. Holy fuck. Allegedly. 46. Who was the oldest UFC champ? It was, uh, what's his name? Uh, the oldest UFC champ? Uh, yeah. Randy Couture? No, wait. Yeah, Randy, yeah. right? Yeah, it was Randy. It had to been. How old was he? He he was 45 or 46. Holy fuck, man. There's still hope for you, all, Romero. <laughs> God, yeah. Man. Um. Anyways, man. Yeah. Um. I think that that main event is going to be very, very competitive. I'm very interested to see how it plays out. It's, it's like I said, it's the, it's the fight I'm most excited for this weekend because this, I mean, I don't have a problem with the UFC card, but like that belt or main, man, it's just so fucking exciting. I do think Vadim Demkov is going to get the win. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I'm a, I'm a stand of that guy, got to be honest, man. I've been very impressed with him for a very long time. I think he's the best fighter outside the UFC, period. God damn it. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm going to go and take him to get the win. But Yoel Romero, like, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how he how he navigates this fight. Like, one of the reasons why I said Benin Emkov might be the greatest guy outside the UFC right now is because that Corey Anderson rematch, I think just about most people thought, like, you know, this is a, this is a rough matchup for him. Like, it's going to be a tough fight. But he he knew the changes. He had a great game plan, and he knew what to do. I think that uh, a similar thing will play out here. But, dude, the co-main event... It is it is a damn shame that more people are not talking about the fact that Patricio Pitbull is going to potentially make history on Friday. Um, obviously, currently the Bellator featherweight champion, the former Bellator lightweight champion, he will face Sergio Pettis on Friday night to become a Bellator bantamweight champion and make MMA history as the first ever fighter across any promotion to win a title in three different weight classes. We're looking down the barrel of MMA history on Friday Night Angel. Do you think the great Brazilian will get it done? Now, I, I should clarify, Josh. May, we should say major promotion, because this is, this, it has been done on the regional scene. I I, I mentioned this in the past. Uh, Juan Archuleta did it in, uh, I forget the promotion. Regardless, the... Well, I meant, like, I mean like relevant, like... No, you're no, you're not wrong. I know you're getting at, but I just wanted to clarify as far as like it's been done, just not in the major promotions like Bellator One and in the UFC. We've only had double champs. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that means just the way you made it sound. It's like it's never ever been done. <laughs> no, no, I just meant like in terms of like in relevant 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you're getting at. Uh, regardless, though, I you know I wanted to give some credit where credit was due to Horn Enchilada. But uh, to get into my pick, man, if there's and once again, just like I said, Walmart, if there's one guy to make it up, if there's a guy who would become triple weight champion, man, Patricia Pitbull is that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy was a 145er, came up, fought the bigger 155er in Michael Chandler, the the collegiate wrestler, and put him the fuck out. And look at the career Michael Chandler's had since then, man. Look at look at what Pitbull's done since then. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think his matchup at 135 and Sergio Pettis is a good matchup for him. And you know, he can get it done. If he can have a good weight cut, look healthy, come in, rehydrate, I think he put a solid performance against Sergio Pettis this Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um man, I've gone back and forth about this fight a lot, man. I think there's a lot of unknowns, but I think it ultimately comes down to if Patricio Pitbull can be fine and make the weight safely, which he said he can for years. I mean, I remember there being talk about him fighting a bantamweight before he went up the lightweight to fight Chandler. So this has been a, this has been a long discussion. So I think he I think he'll be able to do it. I trust that he can do it safely. And I think if Patricio Pitbull can make the weight, I don't think you're going to stop him from getting that third title. I think Patricio Pitbull and New on Friday night and make history. I think this guy is the Bellator GOAT. I think he's one of the greatest fighters to never fight uh, outside the UFC. Um, all-time list, you could probably put him in the top five or top three even. Um, and he's making, he's making like, a legacy without, without ever fighting in the UFC, which is very a hard thing to do. Um, yeah, only a few guys have done that. Yeah, only a few guys have. Because, obviously, this guy's have made legacies. But, like, even, like, for example, somebody like DJ right now is so beloved outside the UFC and in one championship, but he was already, you know, like he he was already had a UFC run, and there, there's a lot of guys who have had that be the case, where maybe they'll, they're really good, and but they only become good later on after the UFC stint. Patricio Pitbull was never there. He's never going to be there, and yet we're still talking about him. Like, this guy is an all-time great. Like, that's just how fucking good he is. So I think he's going to go ahead and get the win on Friday night, and I'm very, very excited to see him potentially make history. Uh, rest of the card, go, though, dude. I mean, we got a couple of other banger fights. I mean, Corey Anderson, Phil Davis, Daniel James is back. I mean, obviously the co- the, the prelims is a couple of uh, high profile names as well. Uh, which uh, fights are you most looking forward to? Uh, you know, was this, I always got to give a shout out to Carl Moore, man. He's a guy who's been on this little run, uh, been able to string some wins together. Surprised me uh, along the way, man. Uh, getting a win over Carl Rexon. And he got another he got another win again, taking on Alex Pelosi. I think that is a definitely must watch fight of the night. Uh, and Talib, uh in between the two other remaining cards on on the main card, I gotta give a shout out to Corey Anderson, Phil Davis. A fight that maybe could have happened to the UFC at one point. I mean I don't know if they ever got I don't think they ever got close to it, but it's a fight that because both guys happened to the UFC, it could have happened and now we're we're still gonna get it. But in Bellator. So that's mm-hmm. a pretty cool thing to see. Uh, I will point out, Josh, I was looking at it just now. Phyllis Davis's only loss in recent time are two to Brian Bader, one in the UFC, one in Bellator. But Dean Nemkov twice won a split decision. Before mm-hmm. that, you have to date back to 2014, almost a decade ago, nine years ago, to Anthony Rumble Joshin. Uh, and before that, even as well, two years back, Rashad Evans. This man only loses to the elite, Josh. So 
I think if Corey Anderson's able to get one over here on Phil Davis, that's a, that's a pretty significant W. But if Phil Davis is able to get a win over Corey Anderson, another one in the books, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you brought up Phil Davis, dude. I think, uh, I think Phil Davis is like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement here. Um, and I think it's going to be like probably the, the hottest take I'll say on this show. Oh I actually think it's actually, I don't think Tick, it's that hot of a take. TikTok inbound. I don't think, I actually don't think it's that hot of a take when you really Drop it on it. me, Josh. Drop it on me. Let me. Whenever you think about it in context, Phil Davis is like the most underrated MMA fighter ever. Yes. I, I 100% agree with this. Just straight up. Like, no, not even a, you're not even going to argue with me? <laughs> no, no, I, I agree, man. You know, Josh, there, there's a reason we get along so well, dude. You got to think about this as well. I don't think it's that hot of a take. You, and he's, he had a very successful UFC run, man. I mean, you gotta think about the guys he did run into. I mean, shit, that's the elite of the elite. 25 has had a lot of killers through its time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and also running down Davis's resume, I mean, it's, it's unreal. And you don't really think about it, but Phil Davis's resume is unreal whenever you look at it. Like, let's just run it down. Brian Stan, Alexander Gustafson, Tim Bosch, Little Nog, Leota Machida, Glover Teixeira, you know, King Mo. That's Liam former Gary. UFC champ, Glover Teixeira. Yeah, there we go. We got King Mo, Liam McGeary, Linton Vassell, you know, Yo Yoel Romero. I mean, the guy's resume is fucking unreal, you know, uh, former Bellator light heavyweight champion. I mean, great collegiate wrestler as well, former NCAA champion, I believe. I mean, Phil Davis is is the real deal. I mean, I think he's the most underrated fighter in MMA history, just because if you're looking at his resume, very few can can compete with him. And, I mean, even guys like Jake Shields have become like a punchline, you know what I mean? Like, people still remember them, even if they don't. people don't like them. I don't hear anybody talk about Phil Davis, you know what I mean? No, you make so, a good point. Anyways, man, I, I'm excited to see him return. I've always been a big Phil Davis fan. Um, ever since he showed up in Bellator and on his first night, he knocked out like three guys in a one night tournament, man. That's sick. which was which was by the way, which was like the last time he got like a finish. By the way, oh god. No, I, I mean that may be correct. I don't know if I, I, I that may be correct or incorrect, but it, he hasn't gotten many since then. Uh, wait, so he fought? I'm seeing here he fought two guys. He fought Emmanuel Noonan and Francis Carmont. He knocked them out both. Remember correctly. Yes, in the first round. Well, no, Kamara and Emmanuel then heartbreak. No, he's gotten he's gotten two TKO wins since then. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Shout out Phil Davis. Excited to see him against Corey Anderson. Um, excited to see Daniel James back with like low key the greatest story in MMA right now. <laughs> you know, uh, the goat, <laughs> the goat bodyguard for rapper Twista. Uh, <laughs> shout out, uh, shout out, shout out Chicago's own Daniel James, man. Uh, rest of the card, I mean, you not the greatest fights on the prelims, but you got a couple of good names. Obviously, Kyle Crutchmer's back. He's going to look to try and uh, avenge his last loss. He's taking on Bobby Nash, who's been around in the game for a long time, former UFC veteran. Um, Emmanuel Sanchez is back against Archie Colgan. Emmanuel Sanchez, this is a must win. I mean, a Bellator veteran, been around the company for a decade, is riding a 4-5 losing streak. We'll see what he can go ahead and do. Um, Cody Law is also back two losses in a row. We'll see if he can put something together there. I mean, any any names you want to go and shout out on the Bells for uh, 297 prelims? Uh, nothing outside of that, man. I think we highlighted the main guys, kind of the guys that I'm really looking forward to. 
Uh, they definitely, I always I have a lot of Russian fighters thrown in here, Josh. Did you notice that? I did notice that, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming they probably all from the same camp, right? I'm looking. I can't see these two other guys, but I'm sure there's some sort of connection somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's about time we should go ahead and move on. Um, Angel, the Ultimate Fighter episodes two and three, we can go ahead and go over. Admittedly, I don't think there's a whole lot to really say in them. Um, just because, I mean, if you've seen Tough, you know, you know what the deal is, you know? Um, first episode, obviously Nate Jennerman got up, got, not, got upset, lost by first round knockout. Cody Gibson then knocked out Mando Gutierrez by first round, <laughs> knocked him out in the first round. And then Aaron McKenzie coming up short against Austin Hubbard by unanimous decision. As of week three, Michael Chandler's team has won every single fight. Conor Rager is stuck in, uh, he looks like he's gonna have a fucking mental breakdown if somebody does not get a win soon. Uh, <laughs> as of episode three, give me your thoughts on a couple of the recent episodes, anything you would talk about coming out of them. I mean, I did tell you in private, I don't think Connor's gonna have another guy win for a while. I think it, it'll be probably only, I imagine only one of his guys will win. So it'll be almost a all Michael Chandler team, uh, sweep. Uh, granted though, you never know, there could be a potential upset in there. Uh, we still haven't seen Connor's guys fight either, uh, which are, what, what, what are they? Uh, Lee Hammond and, uh, Brad Katona, right? The two guys who they, uh, the two Connor guys they brought in. So, we'll definitely see how, we'll have to see how that turns out. Um, one thing I do need to say, Josh, is man, you, as, as, now that we're three episodes deep, I've gotten to appreciate the vets, for being vets, finally. Uh, I see, like, uh, they, they showed a lot of them talk about why they fight or have finding purpose to fight again and not just fighting to fight and motivation. And in their fights themselves, I've been able to know, I realize that these guys are locked in, man. You know, you, I can see the difference between them and the young guys. I see this sense of confidence, this sense of uh, knowing what to do as the fight progresses progresses and being able to deal with difficult situations and capitalize on certain stuff. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of weird because even though, you know, we always talk about tough man, we're like, Oh yeah, the winners get signed and they get their whatever amount contract. But I could see a lot of these guys who are vets coming back, Josh, like, especially after that last Austin Harbor performance, I'm like, how could you, how could you not want this guy back? You know what I mean? And, and, and mm-hmm. same with Cody Gibson and, and Roosevelt Roberts. Like, I want all these guys back now. I, 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 I miss them now. That's kind of what this made, season made me realize. Like, these guys, I hope they find their place back in the UFC rather than just, I hope they win, you know, cause they're, I feel like there's too many guys to like on the season for once. You know what I mean? Usually you get attached to one or two guys, but for me, I've grown to uh, enjoy a bit of all the guys of all the vets. Mm-hmm. I've I've I found myself finding more connection with the vets than the newcomers. Yeah, I mean I I think that the vets have been, I mean well I'm, I think the vets have actually been hardcore carrying this show, which is kind of what I expected honestly because a lot of these guys that we know already. Um, I don't know man, this show this show's been weird. Am I the one that gets kind of like, I don't know I don't know if you'll agree with this. The show feels weird this season. Just weird. It feels like the vibes are off. Is that just me? 
I mean, like, I, I can't explain it. If there's something that feels off. I don't know if it's the fact that we know that this fight's not going to happen with Connor and Chandler, or the fact that Connor's team just keeps on getting run over. But like, it just feels a little bit off. You know what I mean? It, is, it doesn't feel like a normal. Things don't flow the way that they should. I feel like. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's just editing or whatever, but I feel like the show has not flowed well together. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, I think that it's been overall relatively fine. I think that the vets have been carrying the show hardcore. I think, I mean, in terms of wins, they're definitely doing that, right? Um, like I said, I do think at least one Connor guy will show up. Uh, they have to, right? I, I, mean, I, I thought that guy was going to be Aaron McKenzie. I've followed Aaron McKenzie, like, low-key for a long time. Like, You know, I had really high hopes for him going into that fact because uh, in the fight, dude, he seemed very locked in. He seemed fo- He was tough. He was tough. I, I definitely I hope that's not the end of him uh, as far as, like, even, even potentially coming to UC. But, like, I hope if he doesn't make it to UC, Bellator, PFL, like, he seems like a very fun, interesting guy. Like, I, I definitely, out of all the newcomers, he's definitely one who, who grabbed my eye. I was like, damn, this guy's a dog. By the way, when you see him with a, when you see him with a shirt on, not when he has his tattoos out, doesn't seem like the kind of guy would be a fighter, right? Like, I no, wouldn't think fighter first. No, no, not at all. He's not look like a fighter. But, you know, this is, actually, this is actually pretty cool. I don't think you know this. So I've known of Aaron McKenzie for, like, eight or nine years now. And the reason is because he, like, he, he's he been, like, posting on, like, Reddit r slash MMA about his MMA journey for, like, a decade now. He's like, you know, like, oh, won my first pro fight, won this fight, uh, got, you know, won this regional belt. Oh, I'm, I got signed to Bellator for a two-fight deal. Like, and seeing his whole journey to finally make it onto tough, it fucking broke me when he lost, dude. I was so sad. But he's got that dog in him, dude. He's going to be back. I mean, you're talking about a kid. He's 34 years old. He's been grinding for a decade to get to this point. And also, he's he's an Oklahoma boy, so I got to I gotta support him. He's from OKC. I got to go ahead and I gotta shout out my boy, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, he'll be, he'll be back. I still – I hope they give him another shot, man. But I've been following that kid's journey for a long time, so um, – I hope I hope that they, he can he can get another shot or something, dude. But yeah, I mean I'm kind of on the same page with um with you. I don't think Connor's gonna get too many wins in this whole thing, dude. But yeah, I mean yeah, that's kind of my closing thoughts. Any any closing thoughts? We're gonna go ahead and move on. Uh, nothing outside of that. Just uh, kind of just what I laid out there before. Yeah, fair enough, man. I mean the next next topic, Tiafimo Lopez, who we've talked about on this show a couple of times. Um. Obviously, his his incredible upset winner Vasily Lomachenko in October 2020 um, during COVID, during the peak of COVID, was an incredible thing to watch. I know that we both we both talked about our memories of that night. Um, obviously, he followed that up with an upset loss to George Cambosos, and then you know he had the win over Pedro Campa, who moved up to 140, and then uh, he had a close win over Sandor Martin, and uh, he was going into his fight with Josh Taylor this weekend. We were seeing like. Videos come out of him arguing with his dad mid-interview. Like, stuff looks real bad for Tiafimo Lopez. But then on fight night, he shows up and just easily outboxes Josh Taylor into a unanimous decision win to win two belts up at welterweight, light welterweight, excuse me. Um, And then after the fight, he retires. So, uh (laughs) All for an odd angel. Uh, what do you think, man? Do you actually believe that uh, Tiafima Lopez will continue to box? Uh, or what do you make of all this entire weekend and all the news that's come out about him? I mean, absolutely he's coming back. I just think he has a lot of going on in his personal life. And right now he's he kind of hit a peak and he's like, look, I can't like keep going. 
at the rate I'm going at and, and ride this high when I got all this shit trying to bring me down at the same time. So I think he's just going to take time, deal with this divorce he's dealing with, with his uh, now ex-wife, and uh, maybe sort things out with his dad or find a good place with his father or or whatever. But uh, I think that's more or less what it is. And I think it's a very intelligent move, a very adult thing to do. And uh, this is definitely the right direction to go. Uh, so, yeah, definitely Teofimo's not done. There's just too much left in boxing. I think he's too talented to go, and I think he, he also knows that. But, you know, Josh, when I saw this whole thing with his dad, and not to, like, I, I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot here. I don't, if you, I don't know if you're going to want to keep this on the record. But not surprising because you actually met someone who knew Teofimo personally and spoke about his relationship with his father to you. Yeah, I'm not going to – just because I don't – Not to say who it was. We're not going to say what family I'm not even, was. I'm, I'm going to be very vague with this because it's not yeah. even somebody that I'm like – like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm friends with them, but I'm like, you know, not that close. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot know, here. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to bring it up. No, no, no. You're, we can actually talk about that off there. But anyways, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that, the Tiafimo stuff um, with his dad. I, you know, if I were him, I'd do the same thing. I'd retire, take off a year, and find a new team. I'd get away from that whole situation. Um, this, the situation with Tiafimo and his dad is pretty toxic. I think just about everybody can see that if you have eyes. Yeah. Um. I don't even know what to say about it either. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's literally embarrassing. You have this kid who's 25 years old and the top of the world, and he has so much going against him. And obviously, we talk about the stuff with his dad, obviously, but then he also, he got COVID really badly, I think, in 2021. He nearly died. He could have died during the fight with Cambosos. I don't know how many people remember this. He had air in his chest, um, which if you get hit, because I guess, like, he tore his esophagus, and uh, he had air in his chest which can literally fucking kill you if you get hit in the wrong place. He got divorced. Um, for 25 years old, Tiafimo Lopez had been through some shit. So if I were if I were him, I'd do the same thing. Take off a year, retire, quote-unquote, you know, take off your time. Go, go, and you know what? Honestly, you'd probably make the demand better, too, for him to return. Like, I want to I want to, after that win on Saturday, I was like, fuck yeah, dude, T.O. is back. Like, he, ha- he apparently has to be an underdog to go ahead and just do some of this shit. Because right. It, the two best wins of his career whenever was whenever the back was against the wall. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to see him back hopefully in a year or however long it takes him because he needs to take some time off, you know, just for his mental state. I could I could see things were not things were not good going into the fight on Saturday. Luckily, it, it ended up all right, but you know, the, it did not look like it was going to be that way. But, anyways, man. Um, in terms of uh, speaking of boxing, I think we should just move one over. Um, I forgot this event was happening um, on on Sunday night, and the next, and I just I just start looking at my phone late Sunday night, and I see that Floyd Mayweather and John Gotti dude. had a fucking had a had a whole ass riot, dude. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck happened? I didn't even know Floyd was fighting, dude. <laughs> Yeah, so it was, this was another exhibition, which is, makes sense why nobody cared. Um, <laughs> right. But so essentially, if here's here's a little known secret: if you don't follow these Floyd exhibitions closely, which why would you? I mean, let's be honest. Come on, but Josh. A, there are everything's on the line on these. Yeah, right. But if you listen to like Floyd's previous opponents, like talk about like Deji talked about this. Um, obviously, Logan still hasn't gotten paid. <laughs> But, like, Floyd, like, he's doing these exhibitions, and they're for fun, but he also, like, trolls his opponent hardcore. Like, he'll talk shit to him. 
Like, even the the John Gotti fight, there was, like, a 10 to 15-minute delay for the fight to start where Floyd and John Gotti were just sitting in the ring looking at each other because Floyd's entourage would not leave the side of the ring. Um, so, basically, it, it just it was just a whole thing where they're fucking with each other. So, basically, Floyd came out boxing, came out talking trash like normal in these exhibitions. You know, if there's a guy that you don't want to do that to, it's fucking John Gotti's grandson in the Gotti family because, naturally, he did not take that too well. Um, <laughs> so after, after, in the, near the end of the fifth round, the referee went ahead and warned him. He said, if you guys keep on talking, because by this point, John Gotti is furious. He's got steam coming out of his ears, you know. Um, <laughs> he's very upset. And the referee warns him and Floyd. He's like, if you guys keep on clinching, if you keep on talking shit, I'm just going to call off the fight. Six round starts. They clinch for like 40 seconds. To start the, start the fight, and they start talking shit, and John and the referee calls it off, and John Gotti's just like, you know what, fuck that, and he <laughs> and he charges at Floyd, eats a left hand for his troubles, gets pushed back across the ring. Suddenly, Floyd's entourage is in the ring. There's more people in the ring at one point than I'm pretty sure were in the arena for his last few exhibitions. Uh, <laughs> and then ends up, luckily, things did not end up being that bad, you know. Um, they got separated, but there were fights outside the ring between random people. Like, it was a complete shit show. Floyd, like, John Gotti's, like, sister put out some really racist shit about Floyd Mayweather's daughter or something. Whoa, I didn't know that. And I would like to point out, again, this is not even a real fight. It's all for an exhibition. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they had the money belt on the line. <laughs> No, no, no. Here's the funniest part. I just said that they they had they had uh, John Gotti's sister put out like a like a tweet that was like really racist or something of at Floyd and his and his family. Do you know who was on the line in the main event? Dude, some bullshit probably. It was a ceremonial Juneteenth belt. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, if hey, look, like I said, it, it, <laughs> oh my god, dude! Did you look it up? No, but I just can't get over that idea. They had a Juneteenth belt on the line in the main event, a ceremonial one. God. Yeah. Anyways, man, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this. If Floyd, may, hey, if, if Floyd wants to keep on doing exhibitions, I prefer if they were like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any closing thoughts on this one. Just a complete shit show from start to finish, which is basically what, you could say that for basically the last five or six years of Floyd Mayweather's life. I mean, relatable, man. We're trying to jump YouTubers to fighting Logan Paul to, you know, the exhibitions to this. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude, what are you doing? You're like 46, man. But anyways, um, dang, when is he going to fight Jake Paul? Um, I don't know. Probably never. But anyways, um... He doesn't want that smoke. <laughs> he doesn't want that smoke from the problem child. <laughs> anyways, um... Last bit of news. It's some positive news, Angel. It's actually positive news. Because we, we, we've, we've had some... Ne- we have negative stuff on the show. We actually have a fair bit of negative stuff. That's just... That's how Combat Sport is. Um, but Angel... Hashtag save Bigfoot. It finally worked. You've been you've been leading the charge on this on social media on the show for Bigfoot Silva to retire because he had lost in bare knuckle, he's lost in boxing, he's lost in kickboxing. In fact, he had not won a fight period since August of 2015. 
Uh, he's lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight MMA fights. If you're counting his fights outside of that, he's lost 12 in a row. But Antonio Bigfoot Silva retires in France after another decision loss. Angel, give me your instant reaction. Jesus, so, someone took him to a decision. Thank God it's over, man. <laughs> Thank God, right? Who was his last win, by the way, in 2015? I can't so, uh, Oh, fuck, dude. Okay. Yeah, so, I barely remember him, so. Um, if that tells you anything. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, but he was not the only one to retire. Obviously, save Bigfoot worked, but also, hashtag save Marlon Marais. Uh, Marlon has lost seven fights in a row, and he has now decided to go ahead and call it quit once again uh, after a knockout loss to Gabriel Braga uh, last week at PFL4. He retired. The end of two Brazilians who have stayed around for far too long. Angel, give me your thoughts on uh, Marlon as well. I mean, it was it was it could have been done a while ago, man. It should have been done a while ago, if anything. Yeah. But I I get not wanting to to give up on what you like, Moss. Yeah. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. I mean, I think it's about time for both these guys. But that's about all I got. Um, any closing stuff you want to talk about before we go ahead and uh, close out of here? Nothing else specifically, man. I mean, I was excited back talk about the ABC card, which I mean, that shit's going down like at noon our time. So there's always that, man. So it'll be a fun Saturday card, earlier card, especially with a such a good main event on the line too. And I can't wait to come back and recap this week's card. And uh and Bellator as well. Fuck, I almost forgot. So it'll be a jam-packed week next week as well. Uh So get ready for another long pod, my guy. For sure, for sure. And I hope you guys enjoy these long pods because uh I am at Josh Shivanoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore one. At Courtside Sound for all things related to the show. Shout out to everybody who has found us through YouTube Shorts, uh TikTok, all of our social media stuff. We appreciate it so much and appreciate all the love and support. Peace and bug grease. Mouse click.